Well, Christmas naturally um, should bring us joy, right? Um, certainly, especially for children. Children love Christmas. Um, there's so much that they've been told about Christmas and so much leading up to Christmas. You think about all that. They're thinking about presents, Santa Claus, hanging the stockings, Christmas tree, putting that up, uh, elf on the shelf, uh, all that stuff. Um, Christmas dinners, Christmas cookies, uh, Christmas musicals and plays. Anybody been to any of those lately? All right. At school, at church, uh, in the community. Christmas parties. It's, it's always funny on the this week for teachers. God bless y'all because <laughs> you got to try to get in all these things. And I know on Friday, my kids will all say, do I have to go to school today? Because we're not doing anything except watching movies and having parties. And uh, so I, I get it, you know. Uh, and so with all that going on, of course, of course, kids are joyful and excited, aren't they? As, as they should be. Um, the, the joy um, and excitement we see in kids, that gets us excited, doesn't it, as adults? And sometimes uh, because of circumstances in our lives or a season in our life, sometimes maybe we're not feeling the joy. But man, when we see it, and kids, it gets us excited. It gets us in that, that joyful mood. So, of course, when we see them get excited, what do we do? Well, we hype it up, you know, and uh, we, we get it uh, hyped up more every year. And then somewhere along the line, we work in Advent, and we try to teach kids about Advent or the story uh, or arrival of Jesus into the world, and that's an important part of what should be their joy about Christmas. And uh, this story has excitement as well, but it's on a whole nother level. I mean, think about it. We tell about Mary and Joseph going on this long trip, and, uh, but it's not to get presents, is it? They're going to be counted in a census, something they probably didn't really want to do when she was pregnant. This is a difficult job that they're going to have to do, trip they're going to go on. And they don't, as they're going to uh, Joseph's uh, you know, land, town of birth, they're not going to get to stay at grandma's house. Matter of fact, as we saw, they can't even find a place, literally no room in the inn, okay? There was none of that there. They can't even find a room, so they have to stay and have the baby in, in a stable or a barn or maybe even a cave, we think, possibly, is where Jesus was actually born. Now, I want you to think about for a minute and try to remember you as a kid, and you're trying to process Christmas, all right? You're trying to process Santa Claus, and he's going to come with Rudolph and other reindeer in a sleigh, right? He's going to land on your house, and he's going to bring presents down the chimney. You know, you're, you're processing that as a kid. And now that same kid, we're supposed to process Jesus, God's son, is coming into the world. And it's not going to be about presents, but he's going to be born in a feed trough around smelly animals in a barn. No Christmas tree, no toys, no Santa, no candy canes, none of that. But the Son of God's coming into the world. So we try to, you know, balance that out with our kids and we put up our manger scenes together. Y'all have done it right. And we go here, you know, you put Mary over here and the shepherds out here. And then a little down the line, we put the, the wise men and we put little baby Jesus here. And so somehow I ended up trying to I think I got all that as a kid. I hope you did. And we try to help our kids get all that. Despite the stark contrast of Jesus' arrival and Santa's arrival, they somehow, in all this difference of cultures and stories, somehow get it 
the lasting joy of Jesus coming into the world. And he came to take away our deserved consequences. He came to take away our switches and ashes. Did you ever get told that when you were a kid? If you were bad, you would get switches. And I kind of understood a switch because I got beat with that a few times. I had an ashes thing. I was like, what? I don't get that. But I didn't want it. You know, I wanted wanted the presence. But he came to take away what we deserved and gave us salvation. And at least we hope we get all that and we hope our kids get all that. Because it's important. It brings joy. And I can almost hear a kid. Now, have you all ever done this at at Christmas Eve or somewhere in the Christmas? You're like, all right, we're going to read the Christmas story tonight. And everybody's kind of goofing around. You're like, all right, sit down and be quiet. We're going to read the Christmas story. You ever had anything like that? And you're trying to read the story from the Bible and the kids are not behaving because they're so hyped up on candy or they're ready to do the presents and we're trying to, look, hey, be quiet. We're reading the story about Jesus, you know. We get all stern with them and I can just almost hear little kids saying, well, I'm thankful for Jesus giving me salvation, but can we just open the presents now? You know, it's like, that's kind of what we do. It's, it's a wonder that we're not all really messed up in the head with all that. But today, I really want us to focus on what our theme is today, and that's joy. True joy from God's perspective. The world tries to tell us constantly about a joy that we can have. And and through advertising, they're always telling us what that real joy is. If we will just buy this product. And for a lot of us, we fall for it, don't we? We have a lot of the products that they tell us will bring us joy. At least we try them. And they do bring some sort of a happiness and joy at least temporarily at least until the next model comes out the newer and better one will bring us even more joy but in the old testament we find a group of people who god chose to be his people they were to experience god in a way and to reflect god to the whole world and what a relationship with god meant and what it was like and no doubt we find that those in the bible who did experience and who did reflect who God was in a powerful way. That's how we know about who God is today, because of them and what he was about. But they were far and few between, because most people, most of God's people, when we read the Old Testament, they wanted the status of God's people, but they really didn't want the responsibility. And I find that true today sometimes. We want the status of being Christians and followers of Jesus, but we don't necessarily want the responsibility. And there is no doubt that we read about a type of joy in the Old Testament. The joy is experienced not only in good times and in good things, but also in terrible, devastating times. We even still see joy in some of the Old Testament characters. It's hard to explain that, but when we hear it expressed by Moses or David in the Psalms or in Isaiah in that language that he writes about the coming of the Messiah, we think, He had real joy. And here's the thing. A lot of those did not know exactly how God was going to save ultimately and bring salvation to the world, but they knew it was coming. The joy was, I may not be here when it actually all comes together, but God's still going to do it. I believe in that restoration and that reconciliation. They recognized that they had a real faith in this arrival and this advent of better things to come. They recognized that the world was certainly fallen. It wasn't perfect, but they believed God was going to redeem and reconcile this imperfect world. And there was promised a joy that God would bring, despite His people not reflecting who He really was, nor what it meant to have the joy of the Lord, as Nehemiah talks about 
in, in his time. But this true joy would have to come through a Messiah, a Savior that would come, that God would send. And so the Old Testament prophets try to tell us it's coming. You got to have faith. You got to have joy that it will, God will set everything new. And so this Savior would usher in a new kingdom, a new covenant. And it would not be about following laws that were written on stone tablets or papyrus scrolls, but about following commandments that would be written on the hearts of people that they would really believe in and act on. And so joy from a biblical perspective is much different than joy presented by the world, isn't it? It's something that has to be different, not temporary, not just for me and what I want, but somehow that joy extends to including everybody. John Piper explains that abundant joy and a total commitment to God must come together. They have to come together. Abundant joy and a total commitment to God have to come together for us to really understand what joy is. And when that happens, he describes it as, this is an interesting term, Christian hedonism. And you're like, what did you just say? Christian hedonism, isn't that an oxymoron, if that's a word? But listen, we know what hedonism is, and maybe you don't, but hedonism is the philosophical or the ethical theory based that pleasure in the sense of satisfaction of my desires is the highest good and proper aim of human life. That's what hedonism is, is that I have the philosophy of life that pleasure in, in, in fulfilling all my desires is the highest good and proper aim of my life. You're like, well... How do you make that Christian? Well, Piper describes Christian hedonism as this. When God is most glorified in us, when we are most satisfied in Him. I'm going to say that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Now think about that for a minute. When we are satisfied in God, then God is most glorified in us. That is the highest good and proper aim of human life. God tells us that throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we are supposed to ultimately glorify Him. But when we really are satisfied in Him, we want to glorify our God and our Creator and our Savior. And as we think about Jesus coming into the world as a baby, what a great way to bring salvation into the world as a baby. A baby being born always brings joy. Around the church, we, we hear a lot about, hey, we're going to be parents. And we're like, oh, that's exciting. You know, it's your first baby or the second or whatever it is. It's exciting when someone's having a baby. When you become grandparents for the first time, we get to hear that go, hey, I'm going to be a grandparent. Hey, I'm going to be a great grandparent. And it's an exciting time when you hear about that. And that's the way God chose to bring salvation into the world, the announcement of a baby. Maybe you can remember when you first found out you were going to have a baby. Somebody in your family, one of your best friends was going to have a baby. You remember the excitement of that. When Mary heard God's plan would include her carrying God's son, she was, Luke tells us in his gospel message, she was troubled. And why wouldn't she be? Oh, wait a minute, how is this going to happen? I'm not married. Yeah, I'm engaged, but oh no, what's going to happen? But that would change as she connected with this amazing announcement that she would play such an intimate role in God saving the world. And we're going to read a part of that from Luke chapter 1 today. Luke tells us the most specific details about Jesus' birth of all the gospel writers. And we're going to look at chapter 1, verse 28, if we can get that up there. 
And listen to what Luke records. The angel went to her, Mary, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Do you see how in that text, how Mary is most joyful and most satisfied in God because God is going to be glorified in her being a part of his plan. And she finds great satisfaction that God has chosen me. I'm a servant. I'm a teenage girl, a peasant girl, and you've chosen me. Well, man, she felt satisfaction in that, that she was going to get to glorify God. And again, there's that phrase, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And we need to be satisfied in Him and not the things of the world. Later in the text, I want to skip down into Luke's text to verse 46. And this is what is known as the Magnificat, where Mary talks about how overwhelmingly joyful she is about God, including her in part of Jesus being born. In verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And so Mary has been brought up believing that God was going to bring a savior into this dark and and broken world. And she believed that since a little girl and now she realizes, man, God is using me to be a part of that. I'm going to be the one who's going to birth God's son. And we believe Mary, like I said, was a teenager when she became pregnant with Jesus. And as we hear her response to Gabriel's message, we see this satisfaction again that God has chosen me and he's going to be glorified in me. What an amazing thing. And what I get from this is that we are never, and I want you all that are younger here today, To hear, we are never too young, never too young to be satisfied in God and to glorify Him. Never. No matter how small you are, you can be satisfied in knowing that you have God. You don't have to know everything about Him, but knowing that there's God the Creator, and that there's God the Sustainer, and that there's God the Savior. And he knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And he loves you. And he sent a savior for you. Being satisfied in that. And when you know that and you're satisfied in him, then you can glorify him and bring glory to him. Just last night I'm watching the Heisman Trophy 
um, ceremony. And Bryce Young, the quarterback from the University of Alabama, won that. And he steps up to the podium. And if you watched it, you heard what he said. He said, and I'm quoting, this is amazing. First and foremost, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without him, I couldn't be here. Through him, all things are possible. A young man that just won that kind of fame, that's the first thing out of his mouth is acknowledging Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I don't know about y'all, but I was just like, this is awesome. This is awesome. I don't know Bryce Young. I've never met him. I've just watched him play football like most of y'all have. But for him as a young person to recognize, first and foremost, gratitude to his Savior, that he couldn't be where he is without him. And then he went on in a very humble way to thank so many people in his life that brought him to this point. And I believe even in that big ceremony that's really not about God, it's about football and bringing praise to the greatest or the best player in college football, I believe God was glorified because everything else there was an acknowledge and satisfaction of Him. God is glorified most in us when we are most satisfied in Him. That's true joy. And I would also say this morning that we are never too young to be satisfied in God and glorify Him, but we are never too old. We never stop glorifying God and being satisfied in Him. Friday night, we had a concert here, the Troy Burns family, and some of y'all may not know who Troy Burns in or, or maybe into gospel music, but I'm telling y'all, they were fantastic. They came in here, and Troy is the lead singer, and he started a group that some of y'all may remember back in the day called The Inspirations. Troy has been singing since he was 13 years old, and I, I don't know for sure how old Troy is, but I would guess he's probably 70, trying to do the math since he was 13 when they first started that group. And he still has been going around singing gospel music and listening to him and his family and this group sing Friday night. He still finds joy and satisfaction in God, and through him, God is being glorified. We're never too old to do that. Well, I want to go back to, I want to go a little further in Luke's gospel to chapter 2 as he shares the reaction of the shepherds to the announcement of Jesus' birth. How at first they were terrified, but then they had this joy. Listen to what Luke says in chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 8. If we can get that over, thank you. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The good news, according to the angel, would cause great joy for all the people. This wasn't just for the Jewish people. This was for all people of all generations. And as we heard Mary's Magnificat, she's saying, this is going to be recognized by all generations, not just my generation. This is going to affect all generations. And y'all, we're sitting here today because of that. She was right. How did she know that as a teenager? But all generations have been affected. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. The shepherds were not royalty. They were not political or military dignitaries. And yet the message, good news of great joy, came to them first that night about Jesus' birth. And they had to have a joy, a satisfaction that, why would God choose us? Shepherds, do you know what shepherds do? They take care of other people's sheep. These people have the sheep and they rent out this property. I need to hire you to watch my sheep. 
They weren't high on the social ladder. And they're saying, but God came to tell us about the coming of the Messiah, this baby. He came to us first. He knows us. He recognizes us. We are valuable to him. And we were the first ones to know about that. This brought a sense of satisfaction to them. They were terrified at first, obviously. Obviously they would. But they show the joy and satisfaction in God bringing this baby to earth. And they went and were satisfied when they went firsthand. Luke goes on to tell us that they went and saw what the angel told them. And it was just as they had been told. Everything they said, there's Mary and Joseph. There it was in this stable. And they saw that. And God was glorified as they experienced the joy and satisfaction of seeing what God had done. That brought them joy, true joy in their life. And I believe that even amid a fallen and dark world that we live in, we can find true joy by being satisfied in God and being glorif- and Him being glorified in, us, glorified in us. Well, how does that come about? As I think about today, we need to ask ourselves, is God being glorified in me? Do I find real joy and satisfaction in God, or am I trying to find that in other things? And man, in our culture, we are trying to find that in a lot of other things. We say, oh yeah, I believe in God, I love Jesus, and, but there's these other things that are, we're attracted to and we think are going to really bring us true joy, and they're not. They're shallow and they're not real. And I know maybe some of us are sitting here today and you're knowing, man, Craig, you don't understand, I would like to be joyful about Christmas. I would like to be all hyped up like kids and all that and get excited, but you just don't know what's happened in the last year. I've lost this person. I've lost maybe my job. It's been hard. Whatever's been going on in your life, and it's just hard. And you know what? I don't know what you've been through, but I know it can be hard. Because when we read the Bible, when you read some of David's Psalms, you know what? He's not joyful. Now, he's joyful in a lot of them, but he's not joyful in some of them. He's going, God, why is this happening? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why do I feel like this? But somehow there's this alternative hope for the future that David always comes out with in his Psalms where he says, but you're going to make it better, God. You're going to make it better, God. I know you are. Somehow you're going to deliver me from this. And even if you don't, I still know you're God. And so we see that in Scripture. So I want to encourage y'all today that are maybe going through that. And and Christmas can be a difficult time for some people, depending on the season that you're in right now. And I want to encourage you to still recognize and be satisfied in God and that He can be glorified in you, even in your bad and difficult experience. God can be glorified through you in that. I don't know how always, but I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they're going through a very difficult time. And then he said something, and I go, you do realize Maybe this is why this is happening to you. And he started nodding his head. I said, I don't know that. I'm not God, but it sure sounds like maybe all this bad stuff that happened is allowing this to happen. And he nodded his head, and I saw a glimmer of hope, and it made me feel good that he was recognizing God could be glorified even in this difficult situation. So what do you and I need to change in our lives maybe to experience true joy and satisfaction in God? You know, when the shepherds heard this, Their job didn't change. They were still going to go back out the next day and take care of other people's property. That wasn't going to change. That's who they were. That's what they did. But now it was somehow different because God had recognized, I recognize you. What you do matters in life. It doesn't have to be hyped up. 
It matters. You matter. And I wanted you to hear that news. And they went out and they told everyone what they had seen. And God was glorified through these shepherds who were in culture really nobodies. But God was glorified and they were satisfied in Him. So what do you and I need to change in our lives to experience true joy and satisfaction in God? Well, you got to know Him. You've got to take time to acknowledge Him every day, don't we, if we're going to find satisfaction in Him. We're not going to find satisfaction in anything if we don't spend time in devotion and are committed to it. He cannot be best glorified until we find joy and satisfaction, not in the things of this world, but in Him. C.S. Lewis would write this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And we're reminded this Advent that God has and is offering us this infinite joy that Lewis is talking about to satisfy us in Him and for us to glorify Him. That's that infinite joy that God wants to have. And C.S. Lewis is going, man, we miss it. We're trying to get these things from the world that are just temporary. And God's trying to offer us something much more. So he's basically saying, hey, stop making mud pies in the slum and start enjoying making a sandcastle on the beach of the greatest vacation you've ever been a part of. And most of us, we want that status of God being on our side and being on his team, but certainly we don't always want the responsibility. But abundant joy, and it has to come with a total commitment to God. That abundant joy only comes when there's a total commitment to God. It has to be the same. So what is that for you today? Maybe it's time that God will help us experience that joy and that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. So today we offer an invitation. Maybe there's somebody here today that knows you know that you need to have God arrive in your life And start to do that work so that you can be satisfied in Him. Not in other things in the world, but in Him. And recognize that no matter who you are and what you do and where you're going in life, God can be glorified through you. Y'all, I believe that. God can be glorified through anybody. Not just a Bryce Young who's a, a great athlete in front of everybody, but anybody. The angels, Mary, tell us that. That God will be glorified when we're truly satisfied in Him.